Have you hit that moment in your life when you recognize that, sure, you could probably have anything. Like really, if you set your mind to it, you have access to so much in your life. And yet you're not going to have everything. Yeah, that's a big letdown. And I know if you are anything like myself, that was a pretty sobering moment when you realize that you had all of these hopes and dreams, many, many, many of them, but there does come a point in your life where you recognize there are not enough hours in the day and there are not enough days left on this planet that you're going to be able to accomplish all of it. So then what? Now is the time where we really need to start to double down on what it is that brings us happiness. But how do you figure that out? I mean, there are so many mixed messages on this idea of what brings joy. What, you know, how do you follow your heart? What what do you mean by that, Dr. Natalie? Well, that's really what we're going to close out this month with is how do I really know what it is that I want from life? And how do I handle this sobering information that, well, I could probably have anything I want. I can't have everything that I want. You're listening to Straight from the Psychologist's Mouth, a podcast that teaches women in midlife to unapologetically stop silencing their dreams and start designing the lives they want to live in. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie, and as a clinical psychologist of the last two decades and a twice-divorced single mother myself, I not only know how hard it can feel heading into midlife, I am living it right here with you. I've taken all the many failed attempts and lessons learned in my own life and combine it with my extensive clinical experience to give you the tools you need to make midlife the best time in your life. No joke. So let's get started. Welcome back. So today we're going to round out this month's series on how to to go after those big dreams, because I still want you to go after those big dreams, ladies. But I think that one of the things sitting across the couch from people for thousands of hours that I've really figured out is that there is this moment when we finally recognize while we want all of these things, we're not likely going to be able to have all these things. And it isn't for a lack of dreaming and it isn't for a a lack of competence or wanting any of those things. It really is just about like, there's a finite resource here and that resource is you. And she is not going to be able to do all the things. She can do many, many, many things, but she won't be able to accomplish all the things. So what do you want her to accomplish, right? And I know that peppered throughout this whole month, I've also been talking about how we're always up against this lack of knowledge of what it is that we want, because we've been so socially conditioned to know what it is that everybody else wants from us or of us or with us or whatever. But it isn't a skill set yet that we've been taught to really dial into what it is that we want. Where does our heart take us? I would even say that a lot of us have been culturally conditioned to not listen to that, to second guess the what it is that I want. What are the things that I know that my heart would guide me towards, but that your heart might not guide you towards? I think that we're socially conditioned basically to deny what it is that is the best thing for us. We've been socially conditioned rather to be really great human givers. It's that human giver syndrome idea that I've talked about before uh, from Dr. Emily and Dr. Amelia Nagowski's book on burnout, all about, you know, women, we're human givers. We've been given this 
this edict and we follow through with it. We're the good little girl. We're the good big girl. We're the dutiful wives and mothers. We're the, you know, best person to be on your team at work because we're loyal and we follow through. I mean, there's a lot of great qualities that have come from that, but one of the drawbacks is that we've been given this great superpower of understanding what others' needs are, but we haven't been nurturing our knowledge of ourselves and our knowledge of what we need. And that's really one of these missing pieces, I think, that we that it just shows up. At this point in talking about living our big dreams, I would be amiss if I wasn't going to go after why we want to do this. Now, I'm going to remind you, there is a link in the notes to a really wonderful worksheet um, on, not a worksheet, it's actually a workbook on how to really get at, you know, what's getting in the way of you building your own dreams. Not just what's in the way of you getting into your own dreams, but also how it, how you can start this path, how you can start to manifest the dreams and build the life or design the life that you've always wanted for yourself. And I am willing to bet ladies that one of the biggest barriers is yourself. I wish it wasn't, (laughs) it so is. And I know for sure it's been something that's been a, a bit of an evolution in my own life. So I'll share a little bit about my own story here. I mean, I have talked a little bit off and on in the podcast that Learn to Love Your Story has been a little passion project of mine, started, you know, around the beginning of COVID. And I really, honestly, I didn't know where I was going with this when I first started. I had had no idea. Um, But I was using many of the principles that I've been teaching this month, you know, following that kind of that's the next right thing principle that I talk about in my online courses. It's this idea of, I have a dream. I kind of know what it should look like, like on the other side, but you know what it is? I don't really know what it's going to look like. I know how I'm going to feel when I'm there. And that's what I really anchor back to most of the time is this idea of when I've accomplished educating women and have enough platforms where I feel satisfied that women are getting this information in a way that they need it and are can access it and can use it, I am going to feel like a million bucks. And it, it certainly has guided every next right step of this process because I'll feel like, oh yeah, I did this thing. I put these online courses out there. And then when I realize that people aren't ac- accessing those, you know, like it, it wasn't that I didn't make the information, but how do I get it out there? Well, then I started looking at marketing stuff. And after I did that, it was like, oh my gosh, people need like whole groups of other women that are doing this with them because that really lifts them up. So then I added group coaching. There was like this whole process of adding the next right thing as I was bringing this to fruition. But what has told me that I'm on the right track has always been my gut, has always been me going back in and checking in with myself and asking myself, does this feel right? Is this is this what I've been trying to accomplish? Is this what I want women to have? Is it enough? Do, do I feel like I've saturated what I can do here? Or is there more that I could be doing? So the information I'm teaching, very similar. I mean, if you've listened to my podcasts, you've heard that. If you've read my blogs, you've read that. If you've been in my group coaching, you've heard that. So, and remember, I still have free group coaching. So please access all of those different ways of getting this information. Make sure that I'm meeting your needs by meeting you where you're at. Some of us like to read. Some of us like to pop this podcast on as we're driving to and from work or commuting, you know, to pick up and drop off kids or whatever else that we do in our lives. And I want to make sure that you get this information. The information I've already known, I've known it for a long time. And so my next right thing principle has really been about guiding me about how do I feel like it's landing? Am I doing enough? And then doing the next right step of that right in front of me. And I learned this, of course, through the hard knocks of life, because that's just really where this information comes from. (laughs) And I started to teach about it after I had learned it in my hard knocks. And I have learned it and I've relearned it multiple times in the hard knocks of my life. So you may be very similar to me. You may be, you know, a divorcee and you understand kind of, there is literally no way to get through a divorce without feeling like you've gone through some sort of financial ruin. (laughs) Cause it is like, it's just devastating. It certainly is not part of the American dream, right? Like 
nowhere in that social and cultural conditioning are we given this idea that like you should have this little nest egg on the side in case this relationship doesn't work out. No, you're supposed to like financially entangle and do all the things. And I did that, did that in my first marriage. I did it in my second marriage. And so I have had multiple experiences of coming out the other end of things, just financially devastating and having to build from the ground up. And, you know, in the middle of those liminal spaces where you're not meeting the needs of the social, cultural programming and conditioning, you're really like faced with this idea of, did I, is this my dream? Is this really my dream or was this somebody else's dream for me? And I think that in both occasions, when I've gone through both of those, uh, when I've, you know, had to move and relocate with my kid and, you know, start over financially, I've learned that oftentimes if I'm in my head about where I should be, I get caught up in the programming and conditioning and I don't make the best decisions for myself as far as how to come out the other side of that. If I'm just trying to like move out again and get started over and look like the Joneses next door to me, except that I don't have a partner with me. So it's just me, the Jones. I, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) if I'm all caught in my head about what it looks like, Do I look like what I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, Does it look like to other people what I'm supposed to be doing? I get stuck, right? I think I can do it all and I want to do it all. And I'm forcing myself like with this shoehorn to fit into something that I don't fit into. I'm looking to look good, not feel good. And so it was in these moments, these liminal spaces that I really started to learn how to check in with myself. Like, does this feel right? And I can tell you that this most recent iteration of this, so my second divorce, moving into the place with my little one, my son deciding he wanted to go live with his dad, it was a new configuration. And so I was looking at a new smaller place and things like that. Um, I was, you know, a good year after that. And I, you know, had been doing overworking. I've talked about that in blogs and things too. I'd been doing a lot of overworking as my my favorite choice of numbing agent. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't overshop. Those aren't things that I do, but I love to overwork. So that's how I was choosing to numb myself out during my divorce and all the pain and things that go with that adjustment. But it was about a year after I was starting to settle in And I really recognized like this didn't feel right. And I, I had honed that skill over time, like how to check in with yourself. And again, these are all things that I teach in my online courses. So self-awareness, compassionate self-awareness, I'm using all of that. I'm looking at like, am I making the right self-empowered decision here? I don't think I am. Because what happened was I had, you know, like I had paid off debts and, I had, you know, paid off friends that had helped me to get into the place that I'm in and get a new car after a divorce and all those things. Because let me just tell you, folks, your your <laughs> your credit score goes down. Uh, you don't have the the stores that you once thought you were going to have. Like it's it's hard, and I know it's hard. And I'm a privileged person with a doctorate and a great business, so I am not asking anybody to to cry me a river with this. All I'm saying is it is difficult even for those of us with resources. So I was sitting here like a year out from that, maybe a little bit more in a better place after I'd paid back a lot of that stuff. And I was saying to myself, this still doesn't feel right to me. Like, I don't feel like I'm in alignment with this dream that I have for myself. Um, I'm not sure why. So I'm going to stay curious about that. But I know that the working, working, working thing isn't going to work for me. Like it helped me to pay off these debts. I've gotten myself kind of in a better space now. I'm good about that. I'm happy with that. But I still wasn't feeling in alignment. And I really didn't know what it was that I was supposed to be working towards. And here is where I think that many of us find ourselves. Like we know that we could do anything, but we are realizing we can't do everything. And we're figuring out for ourselves that the thing that we've decided to line ourselves up with is not the thing. That's a hard, that's a hard place to be, my friends. Like one of my specialities in therapy, when I do clinical therapy with clients is, grief therapy work. And grief is a huge, huge 
thing. It's much bigger than I think what we've been kind of acculturated to believe it is. Like it's the loss of people and then you grieve that and their stages and you're done, right, Dr. Natalie? Nope. I could do an entire series and maybe will someday on the grief whole subject matter. But I can tell you that that's what you're up against when you recognize A, I can't do everything. And B, I think the thing that I saddled myself to is not my thing. And that feels kind of gross because, oh my gosh, I can't do everything because I don't have all the time. And you're telling me that I just saddled myself doing a thing I don't want to be doing. Does anybody hear me here? I bet you've been here. I've met many people who have been here and it's a hard place to be. You're like, do you, are what you're saying to me right now, Dr. Natalie is I have done the wrong thing this whole time that I saddled myself with the wrong goal that I've come to the end of, of something. Maybe I've even killed it. Like I am really good at what I'm doing here and it isn't my thing. That's what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And it's a hard place to be. You can feel really yucky about that. And there's a lot of grieving that you need to do when you have to just finally draw a line in the sand and say, yeah, this isn't going to work for me. This is not the life that I want for myself. I'm going to have to start over almost down a whole different path. But the way that we figure that out is when it doesn't feel right. When we've been in our heads and attaching ourselves with what we think it should look like, um, what other people have told us it should look like, but we arrive kind of, or we're at the place where we should be kind of taking, you know, taking an assessment saying, hey, is this working out? Does this feel good? We realize, eh, it feels meh. You know, for some of us, it doesn't feel terrible. We're doing things well, but it doesn't feel like it's for us. Once you've got some really good skill sets with being able to check in with yourself and you've made it a point to actually do that checking in, you're going to start to find an answer that you don't always like, which is, yeah, this isn't for you. So, you know, that whole journey of being married and having a big family and a huge house and entertaining and all those ideas that you had for yourself, Natalie, yeah, that, that isn't your life. <laughs> and, and each time you went to the altar of trying to make that happen, it, it, I mean, fantastically, sometimes my friends, that shit blew up in my face. <laughs> so I know now that's not for me. But even when I course adjusted and I came into this place and I had my wits about me and I was thinking about this a little bit differently, once I got stable again, I realized, eh, this is not working for me. And I would say, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, you know, pop back and listen to that one too, because I would say even a year ago today, I still had not completely grasped where it was that I needed to be going. But last year I took some time off and I did some things right. And I set out a plan for myself that was way more attached to the way I would feel. So I was going to need to reduce hours with my clinical practice because I needed to feel differently. I was headed down a burnout place because I was working at a pace that was just beyond what I needed to be working at post-COVID. I mean, COVID was hard on all of us. Still, actually, there's a lot of residual effect from it that's still hard on a lot of us. And I put in my dues as a mental health professional with lots of my clients through that. And I'm at a place right now where I get to choose differently and they get to choose differently. We're going to be able to help them out, right? So last year when I sat down and did that assessment of myself, that was part of my consideration is just, I don't feel in it like I was when I started this practice. And so I need to modify that practice, which means reducing a lot of the hours I put towards the practice, because I think there's other ways and other skill sets I need to tap into, like my writing, like the podcast, um, like speaking, basically, because I can articulate some of this stuff in ways that people understand it. It's a gift I was given. I'm not going to pretend like it isn't a gift that I put a ton of effort behind being able to do, but it is something that I do well, and it is something that's needed. And so I, I needed to course adjust and fix how I was, how I was doing that. And this, what I'm doing right now today, right in front of you feels more in alignment. I can feel it that I'm in a path that's better aligned with where I need to be. So doesn't mean what I've done or what I was hitched to was something that I shouldn't have been hitched to when I was hitched to it. 
it just means that there was a shelf life to that. And that's where I was hitting. I was hitting that point where it felt meh, didn't feel right. I might've even been heading towards burnout and I needed to course adjust to be able to bring this back to a place that worked better for me. So again, it all comes back to this idea of I can do all that. I could have, I could have stayed on that path with my clinical practice I still have a clinical practice, my friends. I just don't have it to the level that I once did. And I knew I could do that, but I can't do everything. And when I reassessed, I realized there's some other things that needed attention from me and that I needed to try. I needed to give a go at that if I hadn't, if I hadn't taken those, those risky steps of you know, setting aside hours towards, even though they weren't bringing in money for me, but making sure that you had this podcast in front of you, making sure that I had more blogs, making sure that I started my book, all of those things feel right for me as far as my goals and my dreams. And I needed to take those risks. And I wasn't going to do that if I was trying to do everything. As I, If I was trying to feed my old style of business, the old configuration of my business and do these things, there just weren't enough hours in the day. And I was going to have to take a look at that and redo things. And I'm hoping this has inspired you in some way to take a look at and redo things in your life. It doesn't have to be a grieving process that's like, you know, burn it all and <laughs> run away and start over. That's not what it looked like for me. I mean, it in a lot of ways, it was a stepwise process that took more than a year to put some of this stuff into action for me. But on my learn to love your story journey, it's been really important for me to stay true to checking in and making sure that what I'm doing feels right. Like it feels like it's part of whatever this goal is that I have for myself. Sometimes I can see it. Sometimes I can say the step today is a step that's part of this whole journey of steps that will get to this end dream for me that will look a certain way. Sometimes it does look like that or it feels and looks like that. But sometimes the better way to check in is really just how does it feel? Does it feel like it's part of that? Because if in any way it feels eh, meh, or like it's killing you, or like if I have to do another one of these things, I'm just going to die. I can't. I can't put my energy towards that anymore, but I don't know how to get out of it. Ah, well, there you are. You need to set some new dreams for yourself. And the dreams and the, uh, the things you're doing towards those dreams need to feel anchored in a way that's in alignment with that new, that new place. I know you might not have all the answers of how do I do this and not pay my bills? How do I do this and not blah, blah, blah. You have a lot of reasons why you shouldn't be doing it. Go back through this month, re-listen to all these podcasts. I give you ideas on how to use even those naysaying parts of yourself as part of your journey, as part of the steps towards finding your dreams and living and creating a life that you've dreamed to live. But I do know that if it doesn't feel right, you are serving the wrong thing. So one of my very favorite ways of teaching this in, in my coaching in any place, so here I am teaching it to you on the podcast, is to use this old Cherokee legend. And so many of you might have heard this. It's kind of a, a parable, um, a Cherokee parable or story that talks to this idea of mindfulness and, and how we use this in our daily life. But I'm going to share it with you here. I'll put a link in the notes as well, because I think that it's a really great way for us to just envision this and, and know what, what I am trying to teach you here about like checking in with your feeling and making sure that you're aligning yourself with the very things that are in alignment with your end goal dream. And that's this Cherokee parable. So I'll share it with you here. An old grandfather is speaking to his grandson about what causes the violence and cruelty in the world. In each human heart, he tells the boy, there are two wolves battling one another. One is fearful and angry, and the other is understanding and kind. The young boy then asks, which one will win? His grandfather smiles and says, whichever one we choose to feed. And that's how I want you to think about it in this two wolves parable idea. 
that when we feed a dream that isn't ours, but one that's been set for us, it really can lead to a lot of our angst, to a lot of the problems that we experience along the way, and certainly to feeling dissatisfied, meh, stuck, any of those different adjectives when we really are like we've arrived, we've, we've been able to meet that goal, but we're just not feeling satisfied, joyful, happy, content in our lives. So if that's where you're finding yourselves, ladies, this month, I have given you all kinds of ways to take a compass and get on your way towards living your dream. Start designing the life that you want to be living in. I've given you those tools and I hope that you use them. I hope you go to the notes. I hope you've downloaded that workbook. That's a great starting point. My online courses, a great place for you to look at ways to, you know, get into the behaviors and skills that you need to have in order to take on this journey. Join my group coaching, join my membership. There is a way for you to have the resources you need to find that life that you've always wanted for yourself. And this is a way to do it. And this two wolves parable is just a way for you to frame it for yourself when you're checking in with that feeling. Am I feeding the wolf that's bringing me angst and destruction and pain and dissatisfaction and feeling stuck? Or am I feeling that kind and understanding part of me that knows that the next right step is this in alignment with a dream that I want for myself, even if it feels risky, even if feeding it feels a little risky. This is why I like it that it's two wolves. This is not two bunnies. Like sometimes it feels a little risky to feel it, feed any wolf whatsoever, but I do want you to feed this wolf that is here for you. She is going to be the one that guides you. Here's the other thing I like about the wolf analogy. When a leading wolf is leading, <laughs> it's at the back of the pack. It's actually the, the wolf at the back of the pack that's watching the vulnerable parts of our pack, that's watching that the pack is going in the right direction and is guiding from that behind position. Now, I and certainly not a zoologist and cannot tell you all of the pieces <laughs> that go into who's in what places in the pack, because I know that it's bookended and there is another leadership position at the front. But there is a part of that pack that one of the stronger animals is in the back and they are guiding this pack and the children and the elderly and all the ones that are a little bit more vulnerable, like mothers that are carrying children, things of that nature. They want to have somebody in the back end. And I think that's how this will feel. You won't always know where you're going. You don't always have like this solid picture of what step one, two, three through 20 is going to be. But you do have a feeling of, am I in the right place at the right time? You do have the ways of checking in in your body mind and knowing that you're in alignment with something that you want for yourself. Because if you're not in alignment with it, it won't feel right. And if you're listening to your gut, it will be able to guide you with that. And that's what this two wolves parable can help you with as well. So all of that will be in the notes along with my workbook. Make sure that you've listened to all of this series because it really has been a whole set of skills that you could manifest any dream with. I promise you, I've laid it all out for you. The science backs all of it. I don't teach things that don't have scientific efficacy. You know that about me. I'm a nerd. And just so you know, what will be coming up in the next month or so, I do have a few more little uh, podcasts here and there that I've recorded, but what I've put together is a whole group of recordings um, where I've interviewed other women, other entrepreneurs, other women who are doing things that are, you know, adjacent to the things I do or augment some of the things that I do and share with you guys. I'm going to be spending some time in the summer doing some traveling. And so I wanted to kind of preemptively create just a wonderful like group of teachings that could be really useful to you. So I will be doling those out through the month of June, be expecting those to hit somewhere in the middle of June, but all of them will be just so amazing. You will love them. 
all of them are consistent with all of the things I teach in my online courses and my, my blogs and on these podcasts. So it's going to be just some wonderful, fun things for you to listen to throughout the summer. And I also am doing my free coaching in the summer, but a little bit differently. So if you haven't been paying attention to any of the stuff that's been coming out in the emails or on my website, you'll want to make sure that you're paying attention to that too, if you're part of that group, um, because I won't be meeting in the month of July, but we will be meeting in June and we'll be meeting again in August. And there'll be more details on that to be feathered out later. But I hope that you've enjoyed this series because I definitely know that this series is a key element in you learning to love your story. All right, so I'm adding a little addition here. It's the legal stuff. Just so you're aware, nothing in any of these podcasts constitutes actual psychotherapy. Yes, I am a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of Minnesota, but everything here is just educational in nature and is a suggestion of things that you could be doing in your own life to learn how to love the life that you're in instead of waiting for a life that you're dreaming of to come towards you. So just remember, this is not therapy. And if ever you need any resources for mental health, Look in my notes and I'll always have a little blurb at the bottom where you can click on a link and get those services for yourself. What if I told you you are living your dream life and that you're living your dream life because your focus has been on a life, maybe not your dream, but a life and your brain is following through. See, that's how this works, you guys. If you tell yourself, oh, I'm never going to be able to have that kind of house or this kind of job or that kind of relationship because I have this kind of responsibility or this kind of barrier, this thing in my way, then your brain follows the barrier, the thing in your way, the problems that are not allowing you to attain those dreams become your reality. That's where your focus is. So see, being careful where we place our attention is a very powerful tool in creating the dream life that we want. And it has been a powerful tool in bringing us into a life that isn't really working for us, maybe. Listen, if any of this sounds like something you would like to know a little bit more about, keep on listening. You're listening to Straight from the Psychologist's Mouth, a podcast that teaches women in midlife to unapologetically stop silencing their dreams and start designing the lives they want to live in. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie, and as a clinical psychologist of the last two decades and a twice-divorced single mother myself, I not only know how hard it can feel heading into midlife, I am living it right here with you. I've taken all the many failed attempts and lessons learned in my own life and combine it with my extensive clinical experience to give you the tools you need to make midlife the best time in your life. No joke. So let's get started. Welcome back. So I have a outstanding podcast for you today. Outstanding. I get so excited about this because I don't know that people understand how very, very powerful their brain is. I mean, I know that we know, but do we really know? (laughs) Because we tend to think that our brain is not creating our reality. Like, oh, sure, Dr. Nelly, I could, like, I want to live on a beach someday. But do you hear that in my voice? Like, the, there's no feeling behind that. I'm not believing that. You're not even believing what I just said, right? 
And when we do this to ourselves, we set up the barriers, we set up the problems, man, we are already blown out of the water as far as getting to our big dreams. And big dreams are what this whole series in May is all about. So make sure that you do click on the links in the notes or head over to learntoloveyourstory.com because my free gift for this month is a workbook on helping you get out of your own way and start living your dream. And that, my friends, is what we're going to keep talking about today. So what is this deal? What is this phenomenon that, well, hey, I mean, we all have self-doubts, right? We all have these ideas that we'd like to, you know, win the lottery or blah, blah, blah. And then we doubt ourselves. And so, well, if you're doubting yourself, you never show up and buy a lottery ticket. If you never show up and buy a lottery ticket, how likely is it you're going to win that lottery? Not very. Now, the lottery is not the kind of dreaming that I want you to have. I want you to be real about this. I want you to get down and dirty and really spell out for yourself what exactly it looks like. And that's really what this next step is all about. See, it's partially having something to focus on and partially then intentionally making that your focus. Okay, my friends, so those of you who are following me on YouTube have a nice quote in front of you, and it says, we are living out our dream. The problem is that dream did not come from us. It came from others telling us what to dream. Now, that quote is mine, and I have that for all of us to really start believing and seeing that we are creating our reality already. Now, whether or not you're being intentional or unintentional about that is really what is of issue. So about 90 to 95% of what we do day to day comes out of our unconscious mind. It's an automatic, episodic memory of doing one task after another after another. Our body mind knows that if we had to pay attention to every small little step, how to balance on my foot, and then under the next foot, and then under the next, how to listen for things, what we're listening to, how to put that toothbrush in my mouth, all the things. Like, I'm serious, you guys. We do a million things. We don't want to be thinking about all that. It would exhaust us to be thinking about all that. So instead of thinking all about all that, our, our body mind puts it into this thing called our episodic memory. And so we just go through the process without thinking about it. It's unconscious. But here's the thing. If we're unintentionally allowing our unconscious mind to repeat old plans, to follow old maps, to use old habits, thinking it's going to get us in a new direction, we better think again because it's not going to work. If you're on autopilot 90 to 95% of the time, it's not going to take you in a new direction, not unless something really, really pulls its attention out of that. And for most of us, that's not going to happen. Now, midlife transition is a place where we start to pay attention a little bit more. We're a little bit more aware, a little bit more awake. Maybe we're in the 85 to 90% unconscious most of the time, but thinking, thinking the rest of the time, because so much of our life is changing. And so we can't not see it. <laughs> you know, you can't not know that your marriage is on the rocks because you have been ignoring it for 25 years. You know, you can't not know that that kid that started at your job two years ago is now making twice as much in salary as you. And I don't even think brings the same value to the company. You can't not know that your kids are in high school or maybe out of high school and maybe out of your house. And so your whole life wrapped around taking care of them is going to start looking a lot different. You can't not know these things, my friends. So here's what I want us to be thinking about as we listen today. What is it that my unconscious mind is driving me towards without my awareness? And is that the life I want to be living? Where did it come from? Who told me this was the life to be living? Do I agree with that? These are the kinds of questions that I want you to start to be thinking of. And that the free workbook that you can download off learntoloveyourstory.com will help to facilitate for you. 
So last week, we talked a lot about that next right thing principle, that we have a goal, a vision, something off in the distance that's our big dream that we're trying to work towards. And then if we're living our life in such a way that we're getting out of our own way, we're not letting you know boundaries like I'm afraid of success or I'm afraid of failure get in our way and, and stop us from doing what we want to do. If we can get past all those things and we just look at the next right step in front of us, we start to kind of edge our way towards that dream. Now, here's how I want you to think about this, right? This is the way that our brain works. If we use a map, we already have drawn boundaries around where we can go and not go. And goals with plans to fill those goals are like maps. They're really handy. They do get us someplace. And honestly, if we've been doing it for a while, we stop even using the map because we just can do it on autopilot, right? It goes into that 90, 95%. But maps have a boundary around them. You cannot go off the map, right? You cannot create new territory you haven't seen yet. You can only go to the places you've already been. You can go there a different way. You can move around differently, but you can't go outside the boundaries of the map itself. Now, dreams have a different quality. They're more like working towards something that is uncharted territory, right? So if a dream is the uncharted territory we don't have a map for, what we really need is a compass. And our compass is our intention. We have to have a dream, right? And then we have to have intention about keeping our attention on that dream. Because if we don't intentionally focus on that pathway, our mind 90 to 95% of the time is going to go back into automatic mode and doing the things that it's always done. And it will just cycle and recycle through a bunch of different maps that it's always had. So now I want you to think about what is this dream? Because you can't focus. You can't have an intention even to focus if you don't have an idea of what it is. And I don't want to hear abstract ideas like I want to have financial freedom late in life. I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I want to have a loving relationship where I feel valued. These are great ideas that are abstract and don't have any concrete ways of looking at them ways of knowing that you've arrived at them. So setting up a dream is really about visualizing that dream. It's about putting things into practice that help you to really bring that to life. Not just once, not just twice, but literally day in and day out, bringing that vision to life and staying focused on it with your intention your intention being your compass leading you towards that dream. Now, what I talked about last week about that next right step all fits in then. If you're looking towards the dream, holding your compass, what you have in this present moment is just the next right step in front of you that works towards that. And you don't need to necessarily know the terrain between you and that end destination when you're charting uncharted territory. You are trying to create a new map in your mind for sure, but you are not aware of what all the steps are. So all you need is that compass and to be looking straight in front of you, what is the next right thing to do? So there's three steps to this. And the first step is really about burning the old maps, burning the old rule books, making sure that you are painfully aware that you are the biggest barrier to your own dreams. So I want you to know that all those old maps, really useful, got you places, did things for you. Some of them you won't even wanna throw away. All I really want you to start to do is to build your self-awareness that they're there at all. So if you are talking about the dream that you have, let's just say it's to have your dream job. You wanna quit the job you're in that has a pension and the golden handcuffs, all nine yards. But what you'd really like to do is become a flight attendant because you like to travel. 
right? And everybody in your life is telling you what a dumb idea that is. Internally, you have a lot of programming and conditioning telling you, hmm, that doesn't seem like a really great idea. You have no idea how you would afford things yet. And all you can think of is all the reasons why this won't work. And because your attention is on why it won't work, this is why it's not working. Because that's all your brain is seeing. It's not seeing anything else that could be an option for how it would work. So if you want to burn the old rule book, you're going to burn this idea that the barriers hold water. You're going to listen to your barriers. You're going you're gonna to hear them like, oh, I would need to make money. Oh, I, I, this doesn't sound like a really great idea if I can't pay my bills. Oh, you know, what would people think of me if I, you know, let go of this golden handcuffs and don't have a pension? And what would I do later in life? You're going to hear them, but you're not going to focus on them. Here's what you're going to do with them. Step two is to use those ideas of self-doubt and disbelief as a rumble strip. So instead of sticking in the barriers, you're going to be able to suspend your disbelief and doubt and use them as rumble strips on either side of the road towards setting your intention on that new dream. You're headed that direction, right? That's all you want to remember. So the doubts, they might be big, loud noises in your ear, but all they are are indications that you might be bumping up against an old pattern and the old pattern wants to take over. It wants you to automatically go back to what you know how to do, your old map. But you're going to use the compass and say, nope, due north is this way. But thank you for letting me know that I almost went off the side of the road. So you're using them more like cues or bumpers, essentially, to keep you on the path that you want to be on instead of drifting off into a path that you don't want to be on. That's an old pattern, automatic thinking that no longer serves you. And then step three is really about setting the vision itself. And I mean detailed. I mean, you guys, you've got to get into what does it look like? What does it feel like in my body when I'm in this dream place? If I have this new job, I feel good about myself. I'm traveling all the time. I'm seeing places I've never seen. You know, actually, I don't really need a big house. I only want a small apartment. That's something that I touch base with. And you keep going and you keep going and you keep making it more and more real. I mean, that what it tastes like, what it looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like, all of your senses, right? And in particular, making sure that positive feeling is behind it. So it's already happened. It's already your future. You are just responsible today for what the next step is in that pathway. And so future self would say what decision you make today is part of the whole process that got you to that dream future. But today's decision is just, you know, I probably will downsize. Yeah, I think I'll be on my way to downsizing. And it might be a real small step in downsizing. I'm going to start with a garage sale and get rid of all of this extra stuff that I don't really need that's just taking up space. Then I'm going to reassess how much stuff I really have and what kind of space could support that. It seems like a really small step just to do a garage sale. But if that ends up getting you to be a flight attendant traveling all over the world and that's what you want to do, it's going to be one step closer. And you wouldn't have thought of that if you had been focused on the barrier of this won't make enough money because that's where you would stop. Your brain will stop where you tell it to. So there's lots of different ways to do visualization. Sometimes people do vision boards. Sometimes people do little Pinterest, you know, things and get together all the stuff that would go into it. Sometimes people write it out. Other people might even record it on audio and listen to it over and over and over. But whatever it is that you do, you need to be doing it on a regular basis. It can't be something that you just do once or twice. It's going to have to be something that you keep adding to and keep making more and more real. Now, I want you to think for a minute how much time you spend in your head in self-doubt. Just a minute. Keep thinking. 
it's a lot of time, isn't it? Like for real, it's a lot of time. I wouldn't be in business if it wasn't a lot of time. I've heard people talk about their critical thinking of themselves for years. And I know it's like 80 to 90% of their day that they're doing this. Think of that number, 80 to 90%. What does it match? It matches this idea of the unconscious. So what has happened is we've gotten into the habit of self-doubt and we've gotten into the habit of looking at the barriers instead of looking at what could work to help us towards these dreams. So what we're having to build in our visualization process is really the other skill sets. I want to build the capacity to keep turning my mind when I'm bored when it's dull, when there's a lull in conversation to my dream and not to my self-doubt. I, when I hear something that, that fits and is in alignment with this new dream of mine, I want to hear in my mind, hmm, I wonder how I would fit that in with all the other parts that I have visualized and made very real for myself instead of, oh, I bet that won't work because of this. Because what can happen with the self-doubt pattern, with our habit of just continually criticizing and, you know, through barriers, pulling down any of our dreams, what can happen over time is that we compartmentalize all of that. We're not looking at it like a whole, but like parts. So what I mean by this is like, we'll, we'll keep going back to this idea. What if, what if in your second act, you want to be a flight attendant? I mean, you do you, you want to travel? Great. So if you are cutting yourself down about that, you'll have a comment like, I'm not going to make enough money. Bam, that goes in one category, right? Then another time you'll think to yourself, yeah, what would I do with my house? Bam, that goes into another category. So the two are not touching. But when you're in a mindset that is looking towards what will fit into this dream and making it real, what you realize is that those two overlap. I don't make enough money. I can't support this household. But what if I changed the rules? What if I threw out, burned that book and said, I don't have to live in a 3,000 square foot house. I, I can live in a small apartment and be just fine late in life. I don't have kids I'm raising. I don't need to be throwing big parties. There's nothing about my life presently that needs that big house. But I never questioned that because I wasn't seeing that those two things were together. Sometimes the step that the next right step that's just in front of us is to start to kind of bring all of this into a whole. And that is why visualizing it is such a powerful piece in the dream process. We're not having you put together a vision board and looking at it like the secret and like the next day you look outside and the car is outside. Like it doesn't work exactly like that, <laughs> but what it does create is cognitive bias. Our brain starts to look towards the things that will fulfill the dream and kind of starts to ignore the things that are barriers. Now it takes time to get to that level. And that's why I have step two being that we'll use our self-doubt as kind of a rumble strip on the side of the highway. We don't want to go over that rumble strip and into the ditch. So we will notice it, but we won't attend to it, right? Because again, it's about where you place the attention. If the attention is on what is being said in those barriers and self-critical thinking, that's what will manifest, but if the thinking attention is based, is focused more down the road on what the dream is and what it's going to look like and how it's going to look that way, and maybe how it even pivoted and developed a little bit differently now that I started thinking about one of these bumper barriers over here, you start to see that come into to focus. And in between you and that dream, what comes into focus is oh, that little step right there would be another step on the way to this dream. Things start to create opportunity in your present day life. I mean, they were there. All of this is here, but we can't pay attention to everything all at the same time. Our brain doesn't have that capacity. So what you have to do is train your brain to start looking at those things. All right. So we have our steps in place. We're going to burn the books. We're going to use the rumble strip of self-doubt and we are going to visualize and we are going to really dial that in. We're going to download Dr. Natalie's workbook and we're going to start to make a, a picture for ourselves 
an entire scene of what it looks like to be in our dream life that we're designing down the road. And next, we're going to have to start to remind ourselves of that on a daily basis. So here's some ideas. The vision board is always a great one because it's tangible. It hangs someplace that you're looking at it all the time. I tend to like things that are actually attached to our devices, however, because let's be real. Uh, not of a, a lot of us are in our office looking at our vision boards, but we probably look at our phone far too many times a day. And if you do the little tracker to see how many minutes that you're looking at your screen, it will make you cringe. Let's take that and use it to our advantage though. How about you pin to your wallpaper on your phone some, you know, picture or words or something that reminds you of your dream. Make sure that it's something that like, boom, brings it to mind right away. It's hard, small screen, but you can, you, I, I, you've got this. I know you've got this. You can be creative. So something like that can be really, really useful. Another thing that I've heard people do, sounds a little corny, but hey, it's the time of year for it. Take that, that idea of your dream, write it all down and bury it, bury it in the ground and go back and visit that place on a regular basis. So, you know, possibly put it someplace right outside your door, possibly put it, you know, under a tree, under a plant, something like that. And what you're really doing is you're creating a routine of making yourself come back and do this thing of visualizing over and over and over. Another version of that, if you don't want to bury things in the ground, is to put it in a box or a container, write it all down, maybe write it on several little post-its and just pile all of what the dream is into that container. And then every single day, go back to that container, maybe pull a few of those things out, think about it for a while. All of these things you can hear are just about creating the routine of the visualizing process. So whatever works for you, do it and keep doing it. When it doesn't work for you, let it go. Move on and find a different way, right? Now, all of these things are going to take one skill that I haven't mentioned yet, and that is self-awareness. Not that I haven't mentioned awareness, but the skill of self-awareness is actually something that is neurologically a muscle in our brain. There is this place called the medial prefrontal cortex. I've talked about it before on the podcast, on videos, everywhere. You know, if you've listened to me about the medial prefrontal cortex, here's its little superpower. It is this part of our brain that does this thing of being able to focus on what we tell it to focus on. It's the conduit between that emotional part of our brain and the thinking part of our brain. So not only is it helping us to focus, it is tying together what is emotionally relevant and important to us to what we're thinking about. So we want to build up this muscle and the way to do that is through mindfulness and meditation practices. Just sitting in contemplation, thinking about one thing, noticing one thing for a period of time, anywhere between honestly one and 15 minutes. And do it a few times a day if you can. Whatever works for you, but start it somewhere. Start somewhere making a habit of building this mindfulness practice because it will help you to build that part of your brain. If you need any help with this, I actually have four meditations for free guided on my website, learntoloveyourstory.com. And I'll link to my video on why mindfulness is important and how to start a mindfulness practice. I give you a lot of little tips on how to do that. Now, some of you will see that if you've got one of my gift bags, you'll have a lot of the stuff in it that you need. If you're looking to have a gift bag, you should really be joining my free group coaching because for everybody that shows up to the group coaching event, I will send you a mug and a little meditation kit. And it's really nice. So we've got our skill of mindfulness that's building up our capacity for self-awareness and our three steps. We're going to burn the books for the old rules. We're going to use self-doubt as the, the rails or the rumble strips on the side of our road as we focus straight down towards our goal, towards our dream, that big dream we want. And we're going to visualize that as our third step and really 
not just visualize, but put into action over and over and over practicing that dream or visualization in our head. There is no way that you will not be on your journey towards manifesting that dream if you are doing all of those things, I promise you. If you fall off the wagon a little, if the self-doubt start to get to you, just get right back up as soon as you notice that and do those three steps over again for yourself. Stay on that path. You're building actually a new habit that also will be in your unconscious mind of how to bring things to manifestation. But the truth of the matter is that it all hinges on where you're placing your attention. Whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, you have your attention somewhere. And I want you to start to train your brain to focus on the things that you're wanting to create in your life instead of on the things that you think are getting in the way of creating that in your life. And that, my friends, is how you will learn to love your story. All right, so I'm adding a little addition here. It's the legal stuff. Just so you're aware, nothing in any of these podcasts constitutes actual psychotherapy. Yes, I am a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of Minnesota, but everything here is just educational in nature and is a suggestion of things that you could be doing in your own life to learn how to love the life that you're in instead of waiting for a life that you're dreaming of to come towards you. So just remember, this is not therapy. And if ever you need any resources for mental health, look in my notes and I'll always have a little blurb at the bottom where you can click on a link and get those services for yourself.